Hello, welcome back to another edition of the I Am Always Right Sports Podcast. I am your host, as always, the mouth of Michigan, Rob Mendyka. With me, as always, the co-host, Merck's own Mike Merkel. I'm here. He is here. We are locked and loaded. We are ready to go. Lots of stuff going on today. Um, Mike, we've got the final 53-man roster and practice squad for your 2022-2023 Detroit Lions, future Super Bowl champs, ready to go. We've also got some fantasy football talk this week, Mike. You, you and I just had our fantasy football drafts. Going to talk some strategies and some insight into our respective teams. Um, we've also got the first week of Michigan State and Michigan football to go over, as well as the huge news about the college football playoff. We're going to end the show today talking about the Donovan Mitchell trade to the Cavaliers. And, of course, we are going to be breaking down Clash at the Castle. Um, obviously, when we record this, uh, All Out and Worlds Collide have not happened yet, so we're going to wait till next week to review that. So uh, bear with us on that one. But, Mike, let's jump right in. Lions 53-man roster. Um, do you want? How do you want to do this, Mike? Do you want to just go through each position? Um, and then go through practice squad after that, or what do you? How do you want to do this? Just kind of give you your like initial thoughts on each positional group. Yeah, let's just go through who made each position. Yeah. Okay, and then we'll react to any like okay craziness or anything we disagree with. All right, so we're gonna start off hot, and I do mean hot. Starting off here with the quarterback position, the most talked about spot uh, on this roster. Clearly, Jared Goff obviously gonna be your starter. He goes down. We are totally screwed. Um. And then Tim Boyle and David Blah Blah Blah. That's right, the hometown boy David Blau uh, also cut. Uh, they bring in Nate Sudfeld. Um, I believe he was with the Niners uh, th- this offseason. So that's your two quarterback room so far. Jared Goff, Nate Sudfeld. Um, they did not have a, a quarterback on the practice squad either, which we'll go over here in a little bit. Um, Tim Boyle out there as a free agent still because he's poop. And uh, David Blau got signed to the Minnesota Vikings practice squad, who also, by the way, cut Kellen Mond, um, a third-round pick from last year. So clearly a swing and a miss. Not as bad as Alex Leatherwood for the Raiders, but, you know, Raiders do what Raiders do. Um, mm-hmm. Thoughts on the quarterback room, Mike? Uh, I won't ask you about each individual one, but this one, because of the amount of coverage that it got right, and we, we kind of felt after the end of the Pittsburgh game where Dan Campbell was like, I got a lot of clarity on this spot right here, mm-hmm. and it was clear that the clarity was both these guys suck and we need to bring in somebody else. Now, I don't necessarily know if Nate Sudfeld is the second coming here, but um, I think the bar was so low that anybody else is probably going to be able to clear it. Your thoughts? Yeah, it's pretty rough. Yeah. Uh, outside of, I mean, if, let's be real. If Jared Goff goes down, season's over. If if he goes out for like six, eight, ten games, right, uh-huh. season's no longer a thing. Let's be honest. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. Um, I don't even think there's like a lot of hope with Jared Goff even there. So yeah. that's that too. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's a pretty rough room to look at right now. Do you think um, that they should have drafted somebody? Not in the first round, but like drafted a guy. Yeah, no, I, de- I, I definitely, I definitely think they should have drafted someone in like, yeah. like I like like a Malik Willis area yeah. or like a Desmond Ritter, those yeah. like third, fourth round guys, yeah. like just to have there mm-hmm. in the case that like golf does go down. At least you have this guy who you looked at, drafted, and right. like think you have potential in, right. and then you could. If you were like the luckiest team ever, you could have one of those situations where maybe golf goes down and then like Desmond Ritter comes in and right. it's like, oh, he's awesome. He's actually he's awesome. Cool. Okay, cool. Yeah. But you don't even get that potential now right. because you don't have that guy sitting there. So yeah, I definitely think you should have. That definitely, I think, was a bit of a 
a bit of a thing where it's like, eh, it probably would have been nice to have mm-hmm. having a guy in the, one of the later rounds. Just having their young guy develop. In worst case scenario, you cut him, put him on the practice squad, let him develop. Right? Yeah, exactly. If they're, in the room, if they're in the market for a quarterback next year, which, you know, I don't know what their plans are, but if they are, right, it's, it's going to be a lot harder to get that guy, you know, in the building and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, all right, shifting a little bit to running backs here. Um, obviously, Jason Kabinda is not on the roster because he's on PUP, so that's a little bit different, right? But only could have been three running backs, DeAndre Swift, Jamal Williams, and Craig Reynolds. Um, we'll talk about the other practice squad guys in a second. But three running backs, any shockers there? Not really, in my opinion. It was kind of one, two, three, was basically. It, didn't Jamar Jefferson <clears throat> make it, too? Nope, he got cut. Uh, he got waived for Benito Jones. He got picked up off oh. waivers. There wasn't, um, there wasn't a fourth that made it? Huh? Nope. Jason Cabinda's technically the. I they, guess so. Yeah. Okay, I definitely thought there was a fourth. Um, <coughs> I don't know. I guess it's they have two running backs on their practice squad: Justin Jackson, and Jamar Jefferson. Yeah. Spoiler alert. I guess. Um, I guess it, I guess it's just a little small of a room, yeah. only having three. Well, with Cabinda being a super back, to yeah. I mean, how many? Back, I mean, they kept. No, the thing is, ends. but he's on. He's on. He's on the pup though. Yeah, so. they kept four tight ends. They have nine offensive linemen. That's quite a bit. No, that is a lot. I was just saying that, like, if like. You get the unfortunate scenario where, like, DeAndre Swift or some, yeah. one of the three get hurt. Yeah. Now you're just running really thin on the running back room. Going, going through this, but. too, right? So, Jamison Williams is on NFL Reserve NFI list. Uh, Kabinda, Romeo Aguara, Josh Pascal, Jerry Jacobs are all on PUP. So, they're missing at least the first four games. And then Greg Bell was on season-ending IR. So, mm. just kind of going up yeah. there. Wide receiver, only kept five. DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, Quintez Cephas, Trinity Benson, um, is not even on the is not even on the practice squad. So he did, oh no he's on ending reserve he's on uh, injured reserve too I believe. So um, kept five no real shocker there. Uh, we kind of thought maybe Tom Kenny would make it, but he's on the practice squad as well. We're gonna let me uh, before I keep doing this. Let's just go over the practice squad so people aren't like who's this guy. Uh, per the practice squad members, sixteen player max. You got Der- Garrett Griffin tight end, cornerback Savion Smith, nickelback AJ Parker, which was probably the biggest cut I mm-hmm. would say. Um, played a lot of snaps, but I think that's a good sign. I believe for this team as a whole that if you're cutting somebody who played big snaps for you last year, that you're hopefully that room and that position group is hopefully you mean in a better place. Yeah, that's kind of the thought. Um, wide receiver Tom Kennedy, running back Justin Jackson. Edge James Houston, uh, former sixth round pick from this year, clearly needed some development, so hopefully he gets that on the practice squad. Uh, uh, wide receiver um, Maurice Alexander, uh, linebacker Jared Davis is uh, coming back. Tight end Derek Deese, defensive tackle Bruce Hector, linebacker Anthony Pittman, big special teams guy, mm-hmm. uh, offensive tackle Dan Skipper, and Obana Ize, uh, the other offensive tackle. And Aldrick Rosas is a kicker, and Jamar Jefferson got brought back. Um, so those are the those are the uh, you know those are the fifteen so mm-hmm. far. So um, they have a room, they have a, a spot open still technically as of this recording. Um, it's kind of one of those situations where I wouldn't be shocked if they do bring in a quarterback. Still, um, I think they were kind of hoping to bring David Blau back on practice squad. Yeah, I was kind of surprised he went to Minnesota because. That job is firmly entrenched to Kirk Cousins. Um, so it's one of those situations where you're like, okay, um, 
just kind of one of those interesting situations to monitor the quarterback situation because I do think they need a third guy. They do. Not on the active roster, but just to be there in case of emergency. Yeah. Um, all right, going back to the uh, going back to the active roster though. So yeah, DJ Chark, Josh Reynolds, Amon Ross, St. Brown, Khalif Raymond, Quintez Cephas. I think Quintez just offers something different than Tom Kennedy can because mm-hmm. he's got pro ready experience. He's a bigger guy. I think he just with with Khalif and Amon Ross. I think looking back on now, it's like that's a really hard spot for Tom Kennedy. To make it yeah he you already have your two slot guys yes. really and he doesn't um, play special teams yeah so it's like yeah that's a rough one to be to be number six yeah especially no. when jameson williams comes back yeah especially and and the idea that you kept four tight ends yeah. i think if you went three tight ends you could easily have that six slot be tom think, kennedy but yeah. i think they like that uh rookie guy who was the fourth yeah. in the tight end room well we'll talk about that we'll talk about him so, yeah but I think uh, that's probably that's like the yeah. reason why they. So four tight ends this year so far. I think part of the reason why they kept Shane Zilstra. So T.J. Hawkinson, Brock Wright, James Mitchell. Those guys were kind of already kind of locks in my yeah. opinion. Mm-hmm. Shane Zilstra, I think, won himself a job. And with Kabinda being out, I think Zilstra can play that H back role if needed. Um, so that's kind of it there. Um, offensive line. They kept nine offensive linemen here. T- clearly a strength of the team. Taylor Decker, Jonah Jackson, Frank Ragnow. Uh, Big V, Vitae, and Panay Sewell. Those are your five starters. Let's hope it stays that way forever. Um, Matt Nelson, Evan Brown, Tommy Kramer, and Logan Stenberg, former fourth-round pick out of Kentucky, making the team here. Had a big camp. Uh, that was probably the biggest surprise for me is that he actually – he really came on last couple Yeah, th- those those two games, I think, really like solidified him, him getting a slot. But, I mean, think about it. Matt Nelson – Evan Brown, Tommy Kramer, all played a lot of snaps last year. They have some really, really good offensive yeah. line depth. I think I think the uh, unintended consequence of having all that hurt offensive yep. linemen last year, yep. which was nice it happened in the rebuilding year oh, and yeah, not like next sure. year in a yeah, good year, absolutely. is you have three or four guys – Kind of like like we talk about how Michigan's roster where they yeah. can go nine deep on the offensive line. Yeah. Um, guys like Evan Brown and guys like Tommy Kramer played a lot of snaps last year. Yeah. So now it's like, listen, I can I can lose Frank Ragno for two games. Yeah. I can and lose we'll okay. I can lose yeah. uh Vitae for three four games. Yeah. And I can plug in someone and right. be perfectly fine. Yeah. And that's awesome to have on the offensive oh line. Oh my gosh. I think I think offensive line depth. Is huge. I think our offensive line is probably top three. Sure. I think we've talked about how like we like like Baltimore's O line maybe more yeah. and other teams' offensive lines but as a starting staff, five. Yeah. But going eight or nine deep in the offensive line, I don't think there's a lot of teams that can go. Yeah, we can go like nine, ten deep and yeah. still feel and confident. Even, even say Tyler Decker goes down, you then move Panay back to left, right, and that slabs Matt, you know, Matt Nelson on the exactly. other side. So yeah. they have a lot of positional flexibility, and I think it's one of those situations where you go, they're just the. They're they're just all real, you know. They're solid guys, you know. Yep. I I have huge expectations um, for the offensive line this year. Um, it's just one of those situations where it's like they, if the offensive line stays healthy, I think this team has a great chance to be really good offensively. Yep. All right, going to the interior defensive line: Michael Brockers, Ali McNeil, Levi Anzarike, Isaiah Isaiah Bugs, Demetrius Taylor, the undrafted free agent out of Appalachian State, and Benito Jones is their only waiver pickup mm-hmm. from Miami. Um, they, we knew they were looking for interior help, right? That's why they brought in Malcolm Brown for a workout. Um, they apparently like Benito Jones better. Demetrius Taylor just kind of always seems to find himself around the ball. I have huge expectations for Aleem McNeil this year, yeah. and he's going to be the reason why Michael Brockers is no longer on this team after this season. So, uh, thoughts on the interior defensive line? Yeah, I think I think this is probably our worst yeah. subunit of the fifty-three man cut. Um, 
I think I I mean you could say that maybe Line, the linebackers yeah, or something, linebackers. but like this def- like I don't like outside of maybe a Lee McNeil, I don't yeah. really like anyone. In, Anzarike in being hurt again is not helping. Yeah. If Anzarike was healthy, if Anzarike was healthy was and well, I could see what he was doing and that, seeing he was doing well, but like literally the only guy that showed anything that I like on the team yeah. is Lee McNeil. Right. So that's what scares me. Yep. Um, if you went total defensive line, I don't think it's awful because no. I think like the edge guys that we'll get to in a second yeah. are actually pretty good. Yeah. But that the the interior there just kind of scares me that like I think teams are gonna if Ali McNeil's not playing well I think, I think teams gonna are be, gonna run right up the middle it's gonna on be a lot, lot of Aleem it's gonna be a lot of Brockers I think uh, Benito Jones does a lot at the one tech um, yeah and I think Ali McNeil's gonna play a lot more three technique this year as mm-hmm. well so that'll be interesting I think Ali McNeil's gonna have a way big year because of the change in scheme of them going downhill he's a freak athlete yeah um so let's hope that that kind of contains and i hope brockers has a bounce back here a little bit to kind of end his career on a high note uh let's go to ed rusher aiden aiden hutchinson obviously charles harris obviously julian aquara austin bryant and john kaminsky i think kaminsky's in here because uh romeo is out right now uh, yeah. i had a pretty solid preseason but nothing really all that shocking i thought austin bryant had himself a phenomenal camp in preseason as yeah. well he annoys the hell out of me during games because uh-huh. sometimes he just feels like he doesn't know the hell he's doing but he had a really really good preseason mm-hmm. the one thing i like about this unit yeah. is and hard knocks helped a lot is the aiden hutchinson charles harris relationship relationship is, connection yeah, like you could just yeah. tell they're just like best oh, friends yeah. Yeah. every time they're they're like getting celebrations ready when they get like sacks yeah. that they're gonna do yeah. some shit to. i was like everything they do together is really fun and I'm very interested to see when Romeo eventually ever comes back. Oh, yeah. I mean, Charles is obviously going to get the yeah. boot from that like starting yeah. lineup, but it's like if Charles and Aiden are just working well, together, what, what do we there, do with Romeo? There's there? a situation. Say if Romeo comes back week eight of this year, right? Yeah. Romeo's on the outside. Charles Harris on the outside. You've got Aleem and then Aiden Hutchinson on the inside. Yeah. Because Aleem will shift over, yeah, right, and play in, that yeah. big run stuff. Because they've moved Hutchinson inside yeah. as well. You can you, you know you have three pass rushers. Right? Right? That that's out. a pretty nice D-line yeah. right there. So that's something to look forward to. Linebacker, Alex Anzalone, Derek Barnes, Malcolm Rodriguez, Chris Ford, Josh Woods. Not really any shockers here. No. Um, this is probably the least shocking group. Yeah. It's kind of like I was like, I was like these four or five are just passing Maybe land. Pittman over Woods because he's a good special teamer, but Chris Chris Board's like special teams, like God. Yeah, he's yeah. like a legit dude, so yeah. that's gonna help there. Cornerback yeah. Amani Arawarie and starter Jeff Okuda, who built out, beat out Will Harris. We got Will Harris as well. Bobby Price, Mike Hughes, Chase Lucas. Um, everyone liked Chase Lucas. Everyone really liked Chase Lucas. Mike Hughes won that nickel spot. I I foresee the starters to be Awarie, Okuda on the outside, Mike Hughes starting on there, and Will Harris heavily repping mm-hmm. you know because harris can play the dime as well uh bobby price i think they like for special teams he's a big athletic dude they kept a lot of secondary guys savion smith aj parker both um in the in the secondary i think is good depth along with jerry jacobs coming back week five i think overall i think they really like where their depth is and mm-hmm. i think next year i would expect a signing in free agency kind of like we thought this year would happen mm-hmm. either at safety or at corner uh, thoughts on the cornerback situation? A lot, a lot of youth here. A it's, lot it's, of youth. It, it's very youthful, yeah. and it's very like if if you can be optimistic and go, yeah. this is what it could be. Yeah, it's a lot to look forward there's to. A lot of potential, but there's a lot of question mark yes. also. Yes. Like this is very. I think this is the unit that's the most boomer bust. Yes, like ceiling wise, they could be oh, yeah. a warrior and yeah. Okuda could be, you know, really good top yeah. five yeah. pair corners in yeah, football. Sure. Um. But what we've seen on the field is the 
they're yeah. like 20th. Yeah, exactly. So, you know what I mean? So, like, this is by far the most boomer bust yeah. in terms of there are weeks where I think, like, yeah. when they play, like, Washington, where they don't have the most aerial attack, I think right. they could be really, really good. And then there's weeks where they play, like, the Eagles, and I'm like, I think they're going to get thrown around for, like, 500 I'm, yards. I'm so out. interested to see the dynamic between the front seven and the ba- in, in the back half, right? Yeah. Like, those guys, I, I'm just so interested to see how if the effective pass rush, a more effective pass rush, helps yeah. than the backhand, right? So really looking forward to seeing Jeff Okuda play. I mean, that's the sad part about Okuda is, like, he's going into year three. He's got, what, 12 games yeah, in three years? Maybe, like, yeah. it's crazy. So it's like, I don't want to write him off yet. I know people are kind of like, I mean, it is what it is. So I really hope he has a bounce-back year yeah. um, going into year four. And then hopefully, like, okay, he has a big year four, pick up that fifth-year option. You find you, you have a guy, yeah. right? That's kind of the hope at the end of the day. Uh, safety, Tracy Walker, Deshaun Elliott. Ifatu Malfamu, Kirby Joseph, and Juju Hughes. Um, uh, Tracy Walker and Deshaun are clearly going to be starters. Hughes, big special teams guy. Kirby and uh, Malfamu. I like I like the depth that they have here mm-hmm. at the safety spot. I think there's a lot of unprovenness outside of Tracy Walker. Even Deshaun Elliott has had games where he's played really well and he started some big games for Baltimore. But Malfamu hurt Joseph, a uh, a rookie, right? And Hughes not. Not being a primary, you know, guy for mm-hmm. them in the Rams. Um, another area where a lot of question marks. Tracy Walker is going to really have to be the leader of this back half of the defense. Yeah, this is probably outside the linebackers, and you know, I'm like the yeah. most afraid of. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think there's a lot of potential. There's like potential in depth yeah. being back there at some point. I think is going to be crucial because mm-hmm. um, I don't think Deshaun Elliott's the long term answer by any means. Um, but I do think that they like. Like I said, this is the youngest team in the NFL. Uh-huh. It's the youngest team. They're 32, right? I think New England's like one. Mm-hmm. I think we're 32. So it's like we're the youngest team in the NFL. And you can see there's like, man, there's a lot to be excited about, I think, in a lot of aspects with some of these guys. But, man, oh, man, are there going to be some growing pains. Like I can already see it now, you yeah. know, that experience of Aaron Rodgers, even with the depleted receiving core, being like, oh, I'm going to look I'm gonna look uh, Malafonu off with my eyes. And then hit Randall Cobb down the seam. You know what I mean? You can just kind of see it. Um, specialists, not really anything all that spectacular. Jack Fox, Punk God, Scott Daly, the long snapper, and Austin Seibert wins the kicking competition. Uh, Riley Patterson, I think, is in Jacksonville now. So. Uh-huh. Any real shockers there? I mean, not really. Not really. Yeah, it's kickers and punters. It's good. Yeah. I mean, yeah. No, Jack I mean, Fox, I was going to say uh, whatever kicker you prefer, I guess, but yeah. I, don't, I don't care. Yeah, Cybert was the guy, and then he got hurt. That's the only reason why Patterson was here. Yeah. So it's kind of one of those situations where Cybert's got a little bit bigger of a leg, mm-hmm. right? I think anything inside of 40, Patterson's pretty much money. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's kind of like you got to weigh those options. And hopefully you're scoring touchdowns and not kicking field goals anyway. So <laughs> let's hope that's a deal. Um, thoughts on the roster as a whole before we kind of move on? Um, I think it's getting better. I think yeah. there's still a lot of rough patches, oh, yeah. especially on the defensive side. Um, but linebackers big, linebackers big, safety's big, mm-hmm. corner could be big, yeah. Yeah. unless everyone like unless like Jeff Okuda's good, and then yeah. it's not nearly let, as big. Let me ask you this: Do you feel like right now, like if dep- I know your feelings on golf, neither one of us are are high on mm-hmm. Jared Goff by any stretch of the imagination, but Outside of Goff, and I know that's like, well, it's the quarterback, but I kind of feels like their offense could be potentially set for a little while here. Oh, their um, offense, like you know, their mean? offense like, is probably it. So I have to pen it because I don't love DJ Chark in yeah. Jacksonville. Yeah. So I have a like slight reservation on DJ yeah. Chark as a player. Yeah. Um, 
and and we haven't seen Jameson Williams, but I'm just assuming Jameson Williams could be think really James good. I Williams by like week ten, everyone's gonna be like, uh oh. Yeah, I think Jameson Williams is gonna be really good. If DJ yeah. Chark is really good, yeah. um, I think like the sky's the limit realistically for the offense for like three years. Because even if <laughs> even if Swift like you have to get rid of Swift or something, yeah. running backs you can you really can just find and draft. They found Craig Reynolds. Yeah, you find Craig Reynolds. Like you yeah. can with a good offensive line that I think and I Makes think I think I think on um salary. Yeah. I'm pretty sure Jonah Jackson's the only one in the next yep. two years yep. that you have to re- do anything with. Yep. Everyone else is at least yeah, well, three or more. Well, Ragnar got a contract extension last off season. Panay was a rookie, obviously. Vitai signed the contract signed a five year deal with us the year before. Yeah. And then and Taylor Decker. Yeah, Taylor Decker is forever. Well. Yeah. So. Literally, all the four of the five are yeah. here for at least three to four years, guaranteed. Yeah. Outside of like Ragnar Decker being five years, um, Joan Jackson is the only one that you'd have to resign the next year or two. Yeah. But like having that offensive line, you can literally go, okay, if we can't have Swift, we'll just throw Craig Reynolds back there, and he'll probably be a thousand yard rusher. Like, right. like there's so many running backs that you can put in there yeah, now. That's why so many people so, are expecting Swift to have this really boom year where yeah. everyone's gonna be like, oh, this dude just and I, and I think it's I think it's. You know, it's a two-way street, right? Yeah. Offensive line is there and intact. Yeah. I think Swift's going to have a big year. Yeah. I think if, if if we go through some injuries, despite the pretty solid depth we have, mm-hmm. I think all of a sudden you're like, okay. I think the entire Lions organization is looking at DeAndre Swift and saying, okay, anytime now. Mm-hmm. Like, you've got all this talent in the world. Yeah. I got to see it for 16, 17 games. Like, yeah. let's go. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, off, yeah, offensively, I think I think you could do big things. Yeah. There's, there's just a few, like – I would like like I hope DJ Chark's good, but I do I, I don't like I like yeah. from what I've seen in Jacksonville, I'm not like oh I just love this well, guy. I, so and the reason why I have optimism about the receiving group now, a it's night and day from last year. That's number one. Could yeah. not be different. But two, I think that Chark was a victim a little bit of circumstance. I don't think, I, and this is weird to say, and it's kind of disgusting <laughs> at the same time. Chark has never had a better quarterback throwing to him than right now. Probably wait, like Bortles, yeah. Probably not. You know what I mean? Like, let's be real, right? Mm-hmm. Like, it, like Trevor Lawrence and time, I'm sure definitely will surpass Goff. But right now, yeah. you can't say Trevor Lawrence is a better quarterback than Jared Goff. You can't. You can't yeah, say well, it. Not I, right I, now. I, I do, but you can't say that. Yeah. I mean, he, I mean, he threw what? You know, like you know, fifteen, you know, twenty touchdowns, seventeen picks. That's not yeah. anything being like crazy. I'm saying in time, yes, the potential is there. Yeah. But right now, especially with the offense they ran last year in mm-hmm. Jacksonville. They had him running straight down the field the entire time. Yeah. So I have I have pretty high expectations, and I think too, with him being on a one year deal, it's like either you make it happen, mm-hmm. or like okay, like, come on, like yeah. you're getting the chance to be the guy here, right? And I think with Amon Ra, and then when Jamison Williams come back, I just think that this it, they're just speed. Yeah. Everywhere they're just fast dudes yeah. everywhere, and I can't. It's like, come on, let's go. Yeah. You know what I mean? So defensively, for sure, I think there's gonna be. Ch- for me, all I need the Lions defense to do is go from being like thirtieth in the league mm-hmm. to like twenty-one, mm-hmm. and I think that's like three wins. Yeah, like right off the top. Like I really do. Like that's where I'm at with this team. Is like if they can just not be the worst. Yeah, they don't even got to be in the middle at like fifteen. That's a really big jump. Just like better than the really crappy teams. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Just get above. You know blah blah blahs you know yeah. like like can we just get there mm-hmm. if we can get there with this defense i think aaron glenn's gonna look like a genius yeah and then too it's like okay there now, now we're rolling yeah you know what i mean so you know looking forward to the season obviously first week of the year going against philadelphia gonna be a good one uh gonna be a good test right off the bat mm-hmm. so 
I'm sure if they lose, everyone's going to say everyone sucks. And if they win, we're going to the Super Bowl. So it's kind of how Detroit sports are in a lot of ways. All right. Let's shift focus a little bit here. Um, let's talk some fantasy football, though, Mike. We okay. had our draft this year. Uh, first time you and I have been in a league together. Mm-hmm. Um I had picked two overall. You had picked six in a snake draft, 12-team PPR. Pretty standard, I would say, for the most part, for most leagues. Yeah. Uh, I'm just not doing PPR. I don't know what your problem is. Like, get on the train. Um, <laughs> I like how people do half PPR, and I go, why do a half? Just do full. Yeah, well, yeah, half, it's like, oh, then I got to do math. Like, I don't want to do that. Like, uh, come on, man. Like, just be cool. Um, thoughts? Uh, you know, give me some of your strategies, right? Now that, we've, now that we're out of the draft, right, we've got our teams. And we'll, mm-hmm. we'll go through our teams here real fast as well. But Mike, just give me give me your team, and then kind of your overall strategy. Something that if people have not drafted yet, or people, or you know, kind of looking forward to it, what's kind of the strategy going into the draft this year for you? Yeah. All right. So I have uh, Trevor Lawrence as my quarterback, Derrick Henry is my running back, Saquon Barkley running back, Michael Pittman Jr. wide receiver, DK Metcalf wide receiver, Dawson Knox tight end, Mike Williams flex option, yep. Browns defense, and Justin Tucker kicker. Okay. Um, Good start. Bench people, like I got Gabriel Davis, A.J. Dillon, Miles Sanders, Devontae Smith, Hunter Henry, Kenny Galladay, and Rondell Moore. Um, basically, my strategy was is to go – Throw a microphone. Yeah, I'm throwing okay. a microphone okay. here. Um, my, my basic strategy was go get a lot of running back and receiver depth, yeah. and nothing else matters <laughs> is really like what I went for. Because I went – so previous years – I was like, okay, we got to get like, we got to fill out the start. I, I used to be a fill out the starting roster and yeah. then work on the bench type of player. Yeah. I think the problem I ran into the last couple years was um, I would take like Aaron Jones and say Saquon Barkley. Right. But then like my third running back would be like, yeah, yeah. would be it would be something like Gus like Edwards. like Gus Edwards yeah. or Devin Singletary or right. something. And it's like, okay, now it's like if if like Saquon gets hurt for twelve games. I have no other running like it's right. just Aaron Jones I'm relying on now. When he has a bye, I have no running backs. Like <laughs> so, like I I for this one I went I I try to get depth. I, I try to get at least three or four yep. running backs and wide receivers yep. to be able to go okay. Because I always I always tend to say there's going to be like two at least two injuries on your fantasy team, mm-hmm. so you got to be able to fill those gaps up. Right. And I think I have a good enough option to fill gaps up. I think a lot of people love their, like their starting lineups. Yeah. But don't love their bench. Right. I'm very confident in like Gabriel Davis, AJ Dillon, Miles Sanders, Devontae Smith, where like if I need one of those four guys for two or three weeks, right. I can plug them in right. and I think they can give at least good enough production oh, yeah. to have a chance to win some games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um I took a quarterback last, mm-hmm. very last. I think there's one person in our league who took three quarterbacks before I even took back one to of mine. Back to back to back rounds. Um multiple people picked a second quarterback before I picked my first. Yeah. But I I went into it going, okay, do I really want Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen? Not really. Yeah. Do I want Herbert? A lot. But not <laughs> enough to like pick him in the first four rounds because I wanted to fill yeah. up my running back and receiver depth. Yeah. And so then once a whole bunch of guys start, once the quarterback run started, yeah. I was like, you know what? I'm just going to go with the guy I really like in Trevor Lawrence. And I know no one else is going to want Trevor Lawrence until like right. at least the 12th round. Right. So I could pick him up in the 10th or 11th and be fine, which is exactly what I did. So I picked quarterback super late. Yeah. I picked uh, – I didn't even pick a defense. My last defense I had auto-drafted, <laughs> and I dropped them and then picked up a new defense. Yeah. So like Brown's defense I just picked up for right. the, to have a defense. Um, 
I always, if you have a kicker in your league, I always say you should probably pick a kicker. Or, yeah, like, I don't subscribe like, to the not picking a kicker. Like the first, like maybe not being like the first kicker because yeah. like you don't want to pick them too high. Yeah. But once like one or two people start picking kickers, yeah. you want to try to get on that train really early right. because there's like like the tight end room. I think there's like four or five like guaranteed ten point kickers, right. and everyone else is like. Hit or miss. miss. And so I ended up with Justin Tucker, who is legitimately the most accurate kicker in NFL history. So he was someone I was like – in every mock draft I do, I go, when can I probably pick him where it's not like a reach to pick a kicker? But I know like Justin Tucker is going to get me like 12 points every single week. Yeah, I don't subscribe to not picking a defense and not picking a kicker. Like you have to – they have to play your spots. And I'm not – I don't – Defense I'm a little less on because I think you can like – because I think even, like, if you have whoever you think the best defense is, so we thought Baltimore was probably the best right. defense this year, they're going to play, like, Cincinnati, yeah, or they're going to play the Bills, right. and it's just like, yeah, right. there's nothing you can do, right? You know what I mean? Like, they're just going to get scored on because right. it's an offensive league. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm okay taking, like, a Browns defense and being very flexible because right. I've never picked a defense, and that defense was just locked in every single week. Right. Like, I switched my defenses – every other week normally yeah. so that's why i don't subscribe totally to the defensive setting yeah. but the kicker one i'm if you have a kicker in your league i'm full in on getting like justin yeah. Tucker, harrison butner like one of the big name guys yeah. because you're guaranteed to get points there yeah all right going through my team here i got aaron Rodgers, uh christian mccaffrey so you can tell i had a high pick um, yeah you can tell you picked two yeah christian mccaffrey uh james connor cd lamb jalen waddle Dallas Goddard, Travis Etienne in the flex, Chargers defense, Matt Prater as my kicker. On my bench, I got Chris Olave, uh, Chase Claypool, DJ Chark, Cole Kmet, Kirk Cousins, JD McKissick, and Tyler Algier. Um, so my running back depth after Etienne's a bit meh, but I got three of them, so that's mm-hmm. really the goal at the end of the day. Um, that was kind of my thought, was going into it, the, the way I kind of approached this was I need to get three starters at, at the running back spot. That was really kind of. I didn't want to go back to back to back. Obviously, I did. My my first pick was McCaffrey. Then I went CD, and then I went uh, James Conner. That mm-hmm. was kind of my first three picks, and then I went. Um, I believe I went ETN after that. So, but my thought was I need to get three starting caliber backs um, within my first five rounds. That was kind of my thought here, mm-hmm. um, and then after that, just kind of see where the board went. Um, I I you know I think I took Rodgers. I think in round seven, mm-hmm. I believe. Um, that was one where I was like, I think I just felt like he was like glaringly staring at me. And yeah. I was like, I probably should just take him. Um, and then, like I said, I'm really happy with my wide receiver depth, happy with my tight end depth. Um, I like my running backs too. Like I said, I got three of them that I think are all pretty, pretty standard, pretty solid for the most part. Um, the one bye week, because I think McCaffrey and Connor share a bye. Okay, I take the L that week probably, but outside of that, I'm pretty happy with that. And I, I like some of the kind of the guys, the young guys like Olave. I think Tyler Algier at one point is going to wind up being the starter in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of like one of those like long down the future, mm-hmm. you know, week 8, 9, 10, 11 type deal. Um, so that was kind of my thought. I always wind up getting stuck where I feel like I don't have a really solid like flex guy. Yeah. Like wide receiver at flex I think is sometimes hard to project because it's like any day it could be that guy's day. Yeah. Well, running back I think the pool is just kind of siloed out a little bit more mm-hmm. for running backs. So that's why I like having a running back in my flex spot more than receiver. Yeah. I've, I've flipped back and forth. Yeah, see, in, in full PPR, I yeah. get I get 
I go back and ETN forth. Is like the perfect flex guy. No, he is a very good flex guy. <laughs> in full PPR, that's why like I go receiver. Yeah. Because it's like okay, every catch because in non PPR, it's like all right, now you're just working on yards. Right. And I go at that point, if you don't get targeted much, right. you're kind of screwed. But if like say like Mike Williams is in my flex right now, yeah. if he gets six catches for 60 yards and a touchdown right. that's in ppr yeah. you know you're talking 18 points right. that's a really good flex option right. um so that's why i like that in the flex but if you can get a running uh receiving running back yeah. like yours in the flex mm-hmm. then that's good because then you get the rushing yeah. yards right. with the re- with the catches and the receiving yards right. and then you get like the and best I'm of both banking worlds. on the trevor lawrence etn connection yeah like hardcore yeah and that's also hopefully helpful yeah I, I picking trevor lawrence i was just banking on you paid a whole bunch of receivers, and you have a whole bunch of weapons. Oh, yeah. There ain't no way you're not. You can't not be better yeah. either. Like, Doug Peterson's there. It's not the shit show that it was. Yeah. I think they Like, you can only go up, I feel like. Yes. So that's why I'm like, I'm optimistic that he Oh, no, better, I have so. no problem with your quarterback spot at all. So, yeah, this is kind of some insight. Um, You know, everybody, I mean, we had one guy in our draft take back-to-back-to-back wide receivers. And now and he's texting me that he wants to trade for Saquon Barkley. <clears throat> yeah, that doesn't shock me was... in the slightest. Well, because he's got two running backs, and they're both on the same team. So, yeah. um, it's not, yeah, not, you know, I, I think we both walked away with guys, especially in our starting lineup, where I was like, okay, I'm pretty happy overall with my starters. Like, if I had to be like, like, this is pretty solid. I think tight end is the one spot where I was like, Goddard's okay. He's not phenomenal. That's that's my yeah. – Dawson Knox, I think, is, like, yeah. good. I think a couple tight ends went way earlier than I was expecting, and yeah. I was mad about it. I told you during the draft, I was like, this is dumb. Yeah, yeah so because, you, like, we're, we're – there's so many better players out yeah. here. Like, I think I took – um, yeah, but a lot, of our, a lot of our league is filling out the team first, yeah. so they they picked yeah. it and high. Like, yeah, because like I think I got like Olave or something like that before I did Goddard, and I was like, all right, I guess I'm gonna take Dallas Goddard now because yeah. otherwise, yeah, no one's gonna be there for some stupid reason. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I know I've never been that guy to take a tight end in the first round or the or the second round. I I get Travis Kelsey's awesome. I get Mark Andrews is really good. I just yeah. it's just never been my thing. I'm just like, man, it's just so hit or miss because they yeah. you know and they take so much brunt too from like blocking mm-hmm. defensive ends and stuff it's just like i just i don't know but you know cole Komet and goddard i think are a pretty good one two for like one week type deal um yeah overall i was pretty happy with, with the way the kind of the draft fell out like i said my running back depth is okay not great that's what i don't think i got wide receivers for days though so i i have wide receivers for days <laughs> i i have three starting and then two i can easily just plug in yeah i'm even i'm like I'm at the point now where I'm like, do I even start Devontae Smith against the Lions secondary? I don't know. It's, right. it's, it's it's like at that point where I'm like, right. I have like four or five receivers. I'm like, I don't know which one I want to start. Right, for sure. So. Absolutely. All right, so that's going to be it for the fantasy talk, though. Let us know your fantasy teams. I'd be very interested to kind of hear some some people's uh, reactions. I know some people were shocked that I took McCaffrey at two, apparently, in our league. Everyone's like, what? You're taking him? Like, <laughs> it's always been the guy. No, because like, okay. no, everyone else wanted McCaffrey. I know. They're like, what? That's fine. Um, so I think I got George this week, week one. So yeah, I'm just mark that down as a dub now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's shift focus here a little bit. Let's go to the college ranks, Mike. Uh, Michigan State and Michigan open up their football season. Uh, Michigan State got the W over Western Michigan in a tightly contested 35-13 battle. Um, give me your thoughts, early thoughts on. The Mr. Spartans, because I didn't watch this game, so you're going to really need to kind of take the lead here. I I mean, honestly, I thought they were playing on Saturday, so that was the first thought, and then I saw the score, and I went, whoops, that was my fault. Um, Thoughts on Spartans? Yeah, I think the Spartans looked 
fine. They came out really early. Went up uh, twenty-one to three yeah. in like the first quarter, kind of quarter and a half, yeah. and then they yeah they really went to okay this is not a good team so we're just gonna <laughs> kind of sit yeah. on it. And I think they sat on it too long where like yeah. Western got back to twenty-one thirteen and we're like kind of itching to make it a game yeah. again. And then Michigan State was like okay no 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 we're gonna play hold on hold on hold on and then well right. so like Michigan State played it how Michigan normally plays like their week one game, like yeah. that one year when Michigan played mid-Tennessee State, right. where like everyone was like, what is happening? Like, what is happening? We're much better, but we're just keeping this team in the game. It's right. kind of what Michigan State was doing, where like Michigan State could just came out 35-0 and just like set everyone to kind of like how Michigan did uh, pretty quickly, yeah. but they kind of coasted in the second and third quarter, mm-hmm. made it a little closer than when it wanted to. Uh, Peyton Thorne, I don't think, looked great. Great. Yeah. He went uh, 12 for 24, 233, four touchdowns and a pick. So 50% completage against Western Michigan doesn't really. A pick against Western, too. That's the thing I don't like. And we'll talk about McNamara in a second. But I don't like it when my if, – if you're a big school like this yeah. and you're playing a not big school, yeah. this is like supposed to be like basically a scrimmage. Yeah, yeah realistically, yeah. And you're throwing interceptions. I don't like that as a fan and as somebody I'm like, dude, you can't be throwing picks. I get it. It's week one. We're trying to get acclimated. Bull crap. You've been practicing all year. Yeah. You can't be throwing interceptions this early in the season. Yeah, and then um, <clears throat> their, their running game here, Jalen Berger had 16 carries for 120 yards and a touchdown. Yep. A big note to make, though, is he had one in, like, the last drive yeah. to make it I think it was 28, or was it the drive to make it 35? He had a 50-yard rush to uh, kind of just, like, yeah. get you in position. They scored a touchdown and, like, basically, like, iced the game at that point. Right. But yeah. so if you take that out, it was 15 carries for 70 yards. Yeah, so I don't think he, he wasn't very – he was only averaging, like, four yards a carry or something. He ended up with a seven-and-a-half-yard average. Yeah. But, that I helps. mean, with that 50-yard run, it helps a lot. Yeah. Um, I don't think their <laughs> running game was all super impressive. You could really tell, like – Kenneth Walker was literally generational, yeah. and without him, you could tell the offense kind of like, we got to find something else that we can yeah, do here. Yeah, I think it's going to fall on Peyton Thorne really to get Michigan State where they want to go. I think the receiver depth is pretty good It overall. is really good. Um, and so that's going to be the situation there for them. Um, it, you know, kind of going back to, you know, Michigan's offense is a little bit more balanced because they have returning guys. Kenneth Walker, I mean, he's a three-down back, right? Yeah. So I think it's, it's hard to lose a guy like that because now you're like, Oh crap! Now I gotta. We, we gotta kind of rechange who we are yeah. offensive identity wise. Yeah, Ken so. Walker being the three down back and not really using a second back. Like right. I think Michigan the last two or three years did a good job of like, okay, we did Haskins, Corum. Now you're using Corum Edwards. Yeah. So like when Corum leads, it's like okay, now it's Edwards second guy. Right. So like you always have that second guy getting reps who yep. then becomes a starter <laughs> afterwards. With Kenneth Walker literally just playing every single down ever yep. at running back, right. it's like you didn't have that second guy really to take exactly. the snaps. And so I think you kind of saw – now this is like your Tuno game. But I think this at Washington game in week three for Michigan yeah, State a is one. a little more interesting mm-hmm. than what I thought it would have been a week ago. Yeah. Because I think a week ago I would be like, oh, I think State's way better and would yeah. have just like walked in. But now it's like you're going to, on the West Coast, the yeah. ABC primetime 730 game right. in Washington. Right. I don't think it's just like a walk in the park here. I think they're no. actually going to have to work for it. Yeah. And so I'm very interested to see how they look Absolutely. against a really team. Yeah, like I mean, I hope the Spartans go in and, you know, into Michigan undefeated, really. that's the. That's I, the I hope so, too. Yeah. I mean, I don't – for Michigan's sake, I don't see 
them losing anytime yeah, soon. Right. Well, we're going to talk. But about we'll talk about them in a minute. So but. yeah, and honestly, too, Michigan State. I never worry about Michigan State the first couple weeks of the season because they're that team where it's like, oh, they kind of kept it close, and everybody starts to like, be like, oh, see, they're not very good, yeah. and then they're always fine. Like, yeah, that's how Michigan State is. Michigan State is not that team to blow out people sixty to nothing. They no. just they've never been that team. No, they're just not. No, they're they're a very solid like oh, eight yeah. nine win team this yeah. year. It's just kind of depending on right. The the close like their record is either going to be drastically like nine and three or mm-hmm. six and six yeah. depending on the close Big Ten games right. if they can win those because be there's like two there's like two or three teams that are right. definitely you're yeah. nef- definitely not going to beat mm-hmm. and there's a lot of Big Ten teams that you sh- you are better than yeah, that you should sure. beat but I don't think you're like last year clearly better than that it's like okay we can just walk through right. this team like I think right. it's going to be kind of a struggle through right. so. All right, speaking of struggles, let's talk Michigan and their quarterback issues going on here. Uh, Michigan wins big over Colorado State. What was the final score, like 55? 51-7. 51-7. Uh, all right, so not not anything all that spectacular there. Um, it's kind of hard to get any real look at, like, the defense or anything against teams like this. They run that weird air raids, hurry-up thing. Yeah. Their quarterback had never started before. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I mean, Michigan's defense, for all intents and purposes, was – literally as great as you yeah. could have it was against the color. It was yeah. like I think the first couple of drives they were settling in so they moved the ball a little bit and yeah. then immediately went, Oh wait, oh we're, yeah. we're also, yeah. I think one of the biggest notes I took out of it was Mozzie Smith is awesome. Yeah. And that edge rusher that they that they uh transferred from yeah. I think he's number eighteen. Yeah. He had like three plays where he got past the tackle before the tackle moved. <laughs> and I was just like, this guy is so fast off the ball that like, yeah. I, I think, I think one thing that they have, and I guess it would be interesting when they play like good team, Iowa or something yeah. is I think they have a decent amount of depth yeah. at the, at the right. end, at that right. rush spot. And like the D line area is like, I think they get, I think they're like Mike Morris, that transfer yeah. guy, uh, Brandon McGregor, uh, and then one other guy that was coming in, they had like four or five guys that they were just thrown in and were all making plays out there. Right. So instead of just having Hutchinson and David Ojabo basically being the guys, I think having four or five that could just like rotate in and do something, I think. I'm so glad we have Aiden Hutchinson. Sorry, this is off topic, but I'm oh. so happy. Uh, okay, so yeah, good. okay. I wish Ojabo would have stayed. I wish Ojabo would have stayed. This yeah, team would be this team would be difference. like legitimately the I big think Ojabo ten. could have been like top ten pick if he would have stayed. Yeah, I do too. But it's crazy. But anyway. Um, but yeah. yeah. Anyway, so but yeah. So defensively, I don't think much. I can't. I can't say anything much. I honestly can't say much about the offense outside the quarterback play. Right. Um, talking about, I don't think Peyton Thorne played very well. Yeah. I don't think K. McNamara played well at all. No. So K. McNamara goes nine for 18, 136 yards and a touchdown. Yeah. So literally everything outside the interception because the interception didn't count. Right. Yeah. And a dropped. Um, pick. A dropped pick. Yeah. Um, now, in fairness Peyton, to him, the receiver did fall. It was a slant route, but it, it, it was a bad decision regardless. Yes. So, but but uh, Peyton Thorne throws the pick, but also four touchdowns. So I guess you could, if he, if he say who played better, right. depending. Uh, they both completed 50% of their passes. Which is not so, good. Which is not good at all. No. Um, so, yeah. So, K. Magner, uh played pretty bad. Yeah. Uh, J.J. McCarthy came in in, like, the mid-third quarter yeah. once they were up, like, 37-0 to zero or, or whatever it was. Right. He went four for four, 30 yards, and also rushed for three rushes for 50 yards and a touchdown. Right, and so and, and here's the thing. So he's going to get the start next week. And he's gonna, right? Yeah, he's going to get the Hawaii start. I don't know how McCarthy does not just take this job. I don't see – I just don't see it. This was the game McNamara had to come out and throw four touchdowns, no picks, be, you know, 15 for 17, 200 and some yards, right, yeah. and be done with it. And the fact that he didn't do that I think is – 
all the ammunition Jim Harbaugh needs at this point to go, yep. It's it. It's I'm sorry, it is. Like and I and we have talked and I think we've come at it from a rational approach. I know some people are like, Oh, you just gotta pull them. And I go, it, 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 there's a morale to a team, you can't mm. just do that. Um but I think even though MacArthur MacArthur didn't do anything special, right? Yeah. He he was fine. But at the same time, you can't go into Colorado State and play like Shea Patterson did his entire Michigan career and then expect to continue to be the starter when you have a dude who's like ready to go. Like yeah. this dude's ready. He's clearly a better player. He's more athletic. He's got a bigger arm. He has a higher up. Just everything about it. He's just better at the end of the day. So it's like, how do you, at this point, unless McCarthy throws three picks and we're losing at half to Hawaii, yeah. there's no way McCarthy doesn't take this job. Yeah, I think, I think, I think this would be a very interesting decision because yeah. I think it comes down to if McCarthy plays well, it's over. It should be over. It should. Now, if K gets to start, I think if I think either way, people are going to be angry because I think if McCarthy gets the start, I think. Well, actually, I guess if McCarthy gets to start, it probably wouldn't be angry if he plays really well. Yeah. But if K gets to start, I think a lot of people are going to be like, "So K was going to be the guy no matter what. So why right. didn't you play him?" Right. Like I think it's like if McCarthy plays well, there's all, as close to a zero percent chance as possible that McCarthy doesn't get the like right. the starting job yeah. going forward. He has to. Yeah, he, he has, has to. to at this yes. point. And and like and not to not to get too crazy here in long winded it's week one, but at the same time, you are a fifth year senior and you're struggling against Colorado State. Yeah. Uh that's not sorry. It's just yeah. not gonna get it done. Yeah. Like your defense is not top five in the country anymore. Mm-hmm. Not we, that we know of. Let me put mm-hmm. it that way. I'll, I'll be fair. Yeah. Here. But like yeah. you it, don't it have, could be theoretically you don't, you don't have three first potential first round picks on your on your defense mm-hmm. you know what i mean like ojaba would have been a first round pick did he not blow out his achilles yeah you know what i mean so uh, you can't you cannot go into this and think okay well my defense is going to carry me through that three-week slump where i was terrible mm-hmm. it can't happen mm-hmm. it cannot happen and it, it, you need with this offense we talked about the offensive line a couple weeks ago this offensive line is legit this offensive line is really very good you have good running backs you have good receivers you have Ronnie Bell, who could be an All American. Mm-hmm. I you, you have to put the dude in. Yeah, and I and I think so. And I don't think that's an overreaction in my mind to think that looking at this one game mm-hmm. and going, you kind of are picking up what happened at Georgia, and we're not getting better. Yeah, I needed to see you come out and dominate a very a very bad Colorado State team. Yeah. So I yeah. So I was in the boat <clears throat> going into the season. Yeah. In the idea that. Um, I think Cade doesn't lose you games necessarily, yeah. but isn't like the point of winning where I think JJ has like the farther, like he's going to win you games, yeah. but also has the potential to lose you games. Yeah. I think I've come around to the idea that I think I would rather have the potential mistake, right? but more upside than the safe and steady right. two touchdowns, no picks right. kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Like when you're playing Ohio State and when you're playing Michigan State, I think I'd rather have the chance of guy a the guy bust. like who has four touchdowns and two picks compared to two touchdowns, no picks. Because yeah. I think the four touchdowns, right. you're getting four touchdowns yeah. out of it, yeah. even with the one or two mistakes that you might make. Right. I'm kind of leaning now more on the I think I think just like JJ's upside. I think I you just have to take on it. Lends it to McCarthy's skill set. They've yeah. got speed everywhere. everywhere. Yeah, everywhere. You, there was a lot of plays 
where JJ yeah. would roll. Why he has fifty rushing yards? He would roll out, yeah, looking and like take looking, deep. and he does like the the Russell Wilson and the Kyler Murray kind of thing, where he's looking down the field, nothing's open. All right, I'll get eight yards and, he's and slides. So he's fast, and I don't he think people fast. realize how fast he is. He's so fast. The RPO thing, I think, is going to be huge. I'll just put this out there. You mean to tell me right now you put in a formation with McCarthy, Corum, and Edwards in the gun in mm-hmm. a T set like yeah. that, and you just run? Yeah. Where's the ball going? Yeah. Where's the ball going? Yeah. Oh, and by the way, you got Ronnie Bell and mm-hmm. Roman Wilson on the outside. Yeah, and Angel Anthony on the yeah. inside. Or yeah. Whatever, or, yeah, or you've got Eric Hall. Yeah. And you know what I mean? And you've got it. The offense has so many weapons. Mm-hmm. You need somebody to unlock that potential and you need to go, we need to be pushing the ball down the field. Yeah. And we need to score 50 points a game. Yeah. There, yeah. I was watching the, the read option for the touchdown yeah. and then the play where he was like rolling out, yeah. looking around, nothing was open, and he just ran and got like 10 yards and slid or whatever. I was like, those are plays. That against McNamara like Ohio State, that McNamara won't make yeah. because can't he's not, because he yeah, because he's really? not athletic yeah. enough, and that JJ's like they can extend drives against good teams yes. because now you have that threat. because you have this threat of the run, and it's very interesting when like they throw JJ in for like two plays to run the read option because everyone's like, okay, so JJ's in, so it's going to be a read option. Where now JJ's the starter, you have to any run way. play exactly. is a read option, exactly. but like he's not coming in as a special read option guy. Yep. It's just. Yeah. That's just our quarterback, and yeah. he runs the reaction. I think he's going to take the job here. I think he's going to explode in Hawaii. I think he's going to unleash a fury on Hawaii. Unfortunately, I, I'm so I, think, I, feel, I think I hope to God he throws six touchdowns. In the I'm, I'm going to be at that Hawaii game. I feel really bad for Hawaii because yeah. Hawaii does not know be what's coming. A monster! It's like the Kraken coming yeah. out of the Hawaii ocean. has a tornado coming. Yeah, it's going to be, and bad. it's like because I think Hawaii is legitimately the worst power, yeah. like like yeah, uh, Division One team like out there right now, and JJ yeah. is going to throw. A million yards. And I times. think it's also another reason why he's starting this game. Yeah. I think Harbaugh is... The crazy part is he could have started trying. this past game and probably oh, yeah. would have been fine. Harbaugh's but... trying everything he can without saying it to be like, can you just please play well so like it's an easy decision yeah. for, for everyone to go, okay, he's starting. Thank yeah. God. If he, is, if he throws like 18 for 21, yeah. like five touchdowns, no picks at like 450 yards in the first half, oh everyone's going to be like... What is happening Ronnie right now? Ronnie Bell sets a record or something. Yeah, like when that. people are just setting records on oh offense in this God. game, and then yeah. Hawaii's like, he sets what a is record happening? for Michigan rushing quarterbacks. Like Denard's like, son of a. Denard's <laughs> like, I thought I was that guy. Uh, yeah, it's gonna be exciting. Uh, let's let's table this. We'll talk about it next week after the game against Hawaii because I think yeah. we're gonna really gonna get some clarity. Yeah. And if and if he plays well and they still go with Kate, I go, well, you just consent. All right, so we're gonna finish third in the Big Ten. Cool. Yeah. That's really what you're doing. Yeah, and, J- and JJ will probably transfer because he yep. goes, there's nothing else I can do to get this right. job. Exactly. And yeah. since they have the same eligibility, it's not like, oh, you know, Cade plays this year, he leaves, yeah. blah, 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 blah. Like, it's like, no, nah, Cade could technically stay here for, like, one or two more seasons or whatever. So, like, JJ's just never going to play, so then he's just going to leave. Yeah, we, so, he needs to be on the field. I was on the I was on the train, a lot of people, or I don't say a lot of people, but I was on the train of the yeah. methodical, like, listen, he got you to a Big Ten title. Yeah, game. I he said. Won you the Big Ten. Started we, the we first. Were, we, have, yeah. we were very much Started in the first game. If he goes 18 for 21, four touchdowns, you go, it's, a, it's a conversation, yeah. but and he just wasn't good. the first time of optimism, maybe you got to yank him. But yeah. he did not play well against a bad opponent. I'm sorry. You really played yourself into sitting in the bench. Sorry. Yeah. And honestly, and I don't want to be like a dick about this here, but like, there's worst case scenarios where it's like, okay, well, maybe McCarthy struggles. And then you have Cade, who's won you big games, coming off the bench. Yeah. Not the worst thing in the world. Just throwing that out there. Just saying. Mm-hmm. You know, Bama's done it. Why can't we? All right. Speaking of college football playoffs or college football, though, let's talk about the college football playoff. Um, big news coming out of it, right? 12 
teams are coming yep. in four years. <laughs> yeah, it's uh well the latest it's twelve it's twenty twenty six. It could happen earlier. Oh really? I thought mm-hmm. they I thought they was it was because their contract or whatever. No, happened. apparently they could they there's a thing where they could get out of it early, okay. but they have to like negotiate a whole new thing. I got you. Uh, okay, but they so... said it could come in twenty twenty four, twenty twenty five. Okay. So we're still a couple years away. Yeah, a couple years away. So but still. thoughts, Mike, on it. Um, you know, you got some some of like the base regulations about yes, the whole yeah, thing. Yeah. But um... I I have how it works and things I yeah. love about yeah, it. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, okay, so I've always been in, in favor of expanding. I oh, think yeah, I, I'm always – playoffs to me are like – I don't want them to be too big. Outside of college basketball, I don't think anything more than like 12, 14 teams work because I think I think there's a point where there's no way this like 25 seed is going to beat a one seed in right. football. You know what I mean? Like right. There's a point where it's yeah. like, okay, there's there's no reason to have this yes. team in there. Right. Um, but I think, I think 12 is a really good number because I do think – there are worlds where a 12 seed could win yeah. at least a couple games in here. So we'll start with how this playoff format's going to work Yeah, because I was a little confused by it, but now I got a lot more clarity on this. So, yeah. so uh, they're going to take the six best conference teams. Okay. Um, so basically our uh, uh, conference weekend, that first weekend in December, all those teams that win their conferences, including the Mountain West, American conference, mm-hmm. you know, Sunbelt, I guess, is probably in there, even <laughs> though I doubt they're ever getting it. But Sunbelt's in there, too. All those winners, the MAC, everything, they're all going to be basically put in a pool, and the top six teams in that pool will make the playoffs. Okay. How are they going to rank these? So the top four teams will get a bye right, in the first sense. round. Right. The other two teams are going to be put in by the committee where they think fit. So I so for my example from last year. Okay. So last year the buy teams would have been Alabama's a one because yep. they won the SEC, Michigan a two, Cincinnati a three because they won the American, and Baylor's the four because they won the Pac or the the Big Twelve. Okay. So those are your four buy teams. Wow. Okay. The two other conference teams that would have made it is Georgia. Utah and Pittsburgh because oh, wow. Georgia didn't win the SEC. Oh okay. But Georgia is the is the five seed because they're the best. Okay. Non-conference winning team. Okay. So basically, if you don't win the your conference, yeah. you're not a top four seed. You have to gotcha. play in the first round. Gotcha. So how this goes is they go Alabama, Michigan, Cincinnati, Baylor. Yep. That's your top four. Okay. Georgia would be five. Notre Dame would be six. Ohio State seven. Ole Miss eight. Oklahoma State nine. Michigan State ten. Utah, who won the Pac-12, is eleven. And Pittsburgh, who won the ACC, is twelve. Okay. So you can win your conference. You just might not be a top seed. Right. But you. But no, like the sense. the six yeah. best records. Right. So like basically, that one year Western Michigan went like eleven yeah. and one or whatever. Right. They would have made it. Right. They might not have been a top four right. seed. They might have been, been a ten seed or right. a ten, or a nine yeah. seed. Right. But they would at least guarantee their spot in it. Gotcha. So that's stuff I like about it. Okay. Um. So then obviously the five through eight will host the first game. Right. Uh, the top four by teams will then host okay. the next round, right. and then the final four will be in neutral, gotcha. neutral like both settings. So, the, so reasons why I like this idea is I think as a because I think college football fan bases mm-hmm. are a lot more expressive than like NFL fan oh, yeah, bases. Absolutely. So having the the like the chance and the idea of having like uh, Ohio State host Michigan State. 
in a playoff game, exactly. and then the winner of that game goes to plays Michigan in the big house that's for awesome. a playoff game. Right. I think that's like like imagine Michigan, Michigan State in a playoff game. Yeah, right. That's in the huge. big house, that's, huge. that's just like one yeah. like you couldn't even imagine anything bigger happening right. in the state of Michigan oh, yeah. outside the Lions going to a Super Bowl yeah. than having that game in a playoff setting. You know yeah. what I mean? So I just think the idea of having more teams have the opportunity. Now I do understand the idea of like, well, you know how many 12 seeds are ever going to win? And I go, yeah. yeah, how many seven seeds in the NFL have won a playoff game yet? Right. Out of the two years they've done it, zero. Right. Right. How many do I ever think will do it? Maybe one in the next 10 years. Yeah. But the idea that you just get into the race right. to have a shot. Like Pittsburgh playing right. well, Georgia, I, well, I don't think Pittsburgh's going to well, win. The but too. there are years that I think... I think it also helps and it allows teams like in Ohio State where, okay, we lost an early game to Oregon, right? Okay, we lose to Michigan. Yeah. But... You can make the argument Ohio State was still one of the best four teams in the country last exactly. year. So it's like, we still want a puncher's chance. It's like, it makes the regular season mean a little bit more because it's like, okay, I have an early loss and now I got to be perfect. Now it's like, maybe we don't have to be perfect. Maybe we still want to be to get that yeah. four seed. But And I think with the committee still picking teams, yeah. I think it's actually going to like leverage you to want to play a stronger non-conference yeah. because if you're Notre Dame, right? Yeah. And you're like, okay, if I play all these cupcakes and go 12-0, and 0, right. Yeah, that's works. I guess Notre Dame's not a perfect. Thing. Like, if you're like Michigan or mm-hmm. Michigan State or something, it's like if I play really, really well, but I don't win the Big Ten necessarily, are right. they going to really pick me over someone else? Right. Probably not. But if I play non conference and I play yeah. Baylor right. and I beat Baylor right. non conference and then I do really well through the right. Big and Ten my season, to Ohio and then like maybe right. I can squeak in as a ten seed, and right. now I have a fighter's chance of getting in. So I think right. I think it helps with the non with the non conference scheduling a little bit for sure. Um, I think it just gives people. I think the perfect example literally is the first year they went to the Final Four, mm-hmm. and Ohio State as the four seed won it. Right. And normally they would never have had that chance. Right. And I think another example is that the the year Michigan got snubbed out mm-hmm. of the of the top two. Right. Um, when they lost in the Big Ten championship, everyone's like, "This should be the Big Ten championship," right. but they got snubbed out. If they had a Final Four, right. Michigan probably would have gotten in there. Probably would have made the final, made yeah. the championship game. Like, right. so I think there's like a lot of instances where I think there are. Like Ohio State as a seven seed last year Wins. that could have yeah. won a game or two and yeah. maybe even got to the final four yeah. when normally all they get snubbed out. Upset to make it go. See, this is why it was worth it. All exactly. All and I think the first year they do it, it you'll you'll get a two seed losing to a ten seed, right. and you go. That's, oh yeah, because you, you have a team like Cincinnati goes undefeated. They're the three, and then they play Ohio State, and they go, oh, we're just not the same. Exactly. And then you go, but they had a chance. But they had a chance. And, that's and I think, and I think. Having six guaranteed spots, even if the Power Five all have undefeated records, right. you at least get that one mm-hmm. non-Power Five, either a Mountain West, a MAC team, or something, who at least gets into the fray. So right. now you don't have those UCF years where right. they're where right, they're right. like, oh my God, we were twelve and all, we we would have won everything, right. but we didn't get the chance to. Mm-hmm. Okay, now you get to prove it. Right now you get to go play Alabama and see if you could beat them. Which I don't you... see any issue with this. This is great. I'm, yeah. I'm so excited that they. And at, at the at, I'm like at the at the very very like worst of it. You get more meaningful college football games, and that's important. And that's important. Like I, I, I can't, I can't imagine anyone who went from the normal wild card weekend. You get super wild card weekend and go. I don't want those two extra games. Yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. Really, you don't, you don't want those two extra games, even if they're complete blowouts. It's two matter. sevens. They're extra football games. I don't understand why people you complain about it. So, so yeah. So I, I am a big all for Ohio State versus Michigan. Three times, or yeah. twice a year. Yeah, honestly, if you got Michigan, Ohio State in the big house in the. 
yeah. final eight to go to the final four. You can't tell me there's a bigger game. Like that's yeah. literally the biggest of the big games you can have. Yep. Absolutely. So or Ohio State versus Michigan for the national title. You, you can get there's that. A way there's a way. There's there a way now. to get there now. Yeah, yeah, which is wild to me. Yeah, with the expanded playoff, you can get. Yeah. You know, like all these Ohio different. State wins of a Michigan's that underdog. It's like, oh my god, they freaking did it. They yeah, and you get Michigan Ohio State in the national championship. Yeah. When normally they play each other last week, and neither one, only one right. would make it to the Final Four. Exactly. Now Michigan has a ten seed, can upset some teams, get right. there, and now you're chilling. You're so like, like, oh, okay, and now you got to beat them twice. Yeah, exactly. That's that's so yeah. So I think I think that is. I think the possibilities are literally endless. Are literally it's, endless. It's, it's, it's There's a lot. a lot, and if you're a fan of, uh, like a Pac-12 team that yeah, normally never gets in. You have a chance yeah. now to get into the dance. Mm-hmm. Like the Cincinnati wouldn't have had to go 13 and 0 twice in two years two in a row just, just to get there. Get to a four seed yeah. to get decimated. Right. Now, like in this situation, they'd be a three seed. Right. Now they would have to play, you know, the winner of Notre Dame and Utah, right. but. Can they beat the winner of Notre right. Dame, Utah? Maybe. Probably, yeah. yeah, maybe. Exactly. They were a higher seed. But, like, at least you get that puncher's chance of it. And I think that's the thing a lot. I, I'm so excited for it. I think it's – I'm think i so glad they made a move quickly because I think they realized, like, we got to do something here. This is getting ridiculous. Yeah. Um, I just, and I also like that there's, like, qualifiers for at least some yes. of the teams where it's yes. not like, okay – we're just going to put these 12 guys in a room, yep. and you're going to handpick the 12 teams in matters. the order. Rankings matter. I need to be in that top 10. I need to be yeah. in the I need area. I need to be in the top four to get that buy yeah. and get the home yeah, field advantage exactly. in the next round or something. 100%. Yeah. A thousand, a thousand percent. All right, let's shift focus here a little bit. Let's talk some basketball real fast before we get to Clash of the Castle. Donovan Mitchell, he gone. Mm-hmm. He's in Cleveland now for a whole bunch of picks and, and a whole uh, bunch of players. Tom Sexton and, and some other guys. Laurie Marketing um, and a whole bunch of guys. I only have one question about this trade, mm-hmm. okay? Does this do anything for Cleveland long term? I think it makes them immediately better. It makes them better. Okay. Does it make them better? Does it make them better enough to be a top four team? I don't think so. That was my question. I don't think so. So that's kind of where I was at with this. And I was like, this seems like an all in. Now, here's so so I think there's potential we've talked about where like. Milwaukee, okay, so the, the hypothetical that like Milwaukee's one, Miami's two, Boston's three, Philly's four, right. Cleveland's five. Yeah. Could they beat Philly? Yeah. Maybe. Right. But then when you match up against Milwaukee, can't, do you beat Milwaukee? Believe, no. I can't believe we didn't put Brooklyn in the top four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And then like Miami's six and yeah, Brooklyn's right, right. seven, whatever. But like, I'm like, could they have a puncher chance against Miami and, and, and uh, Philly and Brooklyn? Sure, yeah. but are they at Boston's level or are they at Milwaukee's level? You're not getting no. any better now. You just gave away three first-round picks and two pick swaps. Along yeah, no, the you're way. just riding with so this, this unit. This, this is, is your team. unit, yeah. So it's like, I just don't know for Cleveland. Like, Donovan Mitchell is awesome, okay? Yeah. And I think overall Cleveland's rebuild has been what the Pistons want the rebuild to be, where you get some young guys, you hit on some picks, right? And mm-hmm. then at the end of it where you feel like, okay, now is the time to explode and get the window open – we go and get that superstar, yep. right? Maybe Cade just winds up being the guy. Whatever, right? Yeah, yeah. Or someone to match with him. At the end of it, though, I just don't see how Cleveland goes and gets Donovan Mitchell, who struggled in the West, mm-hmm. to now go to the East, and you go, I, you're still not even in the top half of your conference. Yeah, and no. That's I, a bit, that's, you know what I mean? That's where I, I'm going, man. You I, gave I, up a lot. Yeah, I can't say they're the favorites in the East. I can't say they're a top right. three team They're not in the even going to win the division because Milwaukee is in the division. Yeah, so it's like, yeah you're in second in the division yeah. probably. But, like, I, I think, and we just, we yeah. literally just talked about being in the race. Yeah. I mean, I think it definitely puts you oh, yeah. at, in the top six. Mm-hmm. 
So, like, you're in the race. You don't have to do the play-in or anything. Right. Like, I think you're right. in there. Mm-hmm. And then once you get in there, like I said, if you're a five seed or a four. I, I mean, be... here's the thing. They might be a really good regular season team yeah. and be, like, a three seed. Right. And if you get some home playoff games against yeah. against Philly and what. Like, if you had a game seven against Miami at home. Right. That's a tough game. That's a tough game for Miami to win because right. I think you're a good enough team to beat them in yeah. a game seven set. I think the only team that you're definitely not beating is Milwaukee yeah. and probably Boston. Yeah, in a, like a game right. seven, everything. Right. I think every other team in the East. I think with that roster, you probably could beat. Yeah, but I still don't think you're as good as the top two teams. Yeah. So I don't know. It's one of those weird. It's one of those like I, I feel like you make that trade because you have like the potential there. Yeah. for everyone to develop and be good and maybe get to that point in a year or two. Right. But I think it's a little risky also because if you if it doesn't work and Donovan Mitchell can't take you over the hump, then yeah. you kind of just ruined. What yeah, you had in your rebuild, out. yeah, right, yeah. I, I'm, but, I'm interested to kind of see how it plays out. Good for Cleveland, though. Good for them. They yeah, they they, they needed that spark, and I think yeah. he definitely gives you that spark. Absolutely. And like I said, I think, I think they could be good in the East. I just yeah. don't think you're a top three, four team in the East, right. which is unfortunate. All right, let's shift over a little bit here. Let's talk Clash of the Castle. Um, three and a half hour show. Big, big crowd. My goodness. Oh, this crowd was just awesome. wilded for everything. It was just awesome. And, that, and that's the kind of stuff that you enjoy. I think it makes watching shows, just in general, better. Yeah. When, when the crowd's into it and we're feeling it, literally from the opening jump, mm-hmm. it makes everything better. Let's get into it. Let's, let's see our thoughts here on Clash of the Castle. All right, so we open with the six-woman tag match. We had Damage Control, Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Eero Sky defeating Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and Bianca Belair in 18 yep. minutes. This match and... got a 6.85 out of 10. Bailey gets the pin over Bianca Belair. This crowd loved Bailey. Yep. Oh, my goodness. They were in love for the Bailey. entire time. The first five minutes, they took over the whole show. Yeah. Just for that. Um, but, yeah, Bailey gets the pin on Bianca, setting yeah, up feud, right, whatever, sure. wherever they're going to have that extreme roles or later or whatever. Um, but, yeah, this was – I think this is actually the perfect time to do this. No holds barred type match, right, where you can beat Bianca here. Mm-hmm. Give Bailey the title. Really kind of set this group up, like – Strap the rocket to him, yeah. and with Bianca in a in a no holds barred situation where like you didn't really beat her clean, uh-huh. keeps Bianca strong, yeah, and then you're really rolling, yeah. Um, but yeah, this was a this was solid. No, the the funny thing was like this was fine, yeah, and probably like the worst match on the card, yeah, right? Which is yeah. like wild. I thought they did a really nice job of highlighting Bianca. She wasn't in the match a ton, yeah. but man, when she went in, dude, it was like balls to the wall. I thought that was a really good job by them, and I think it established the trio damage control as like. Mm-hmm. You know the the, the unit, thing. yeah, exactly. So I was good with this. Yep. All right. The match. Oh yeah, this is the best, best match on the card. It's not even close. It's it's really not this match, which is kind of unfortunate because you would think the main event would be the best. And I think the main event was very good. Yeah, but, but this, this match, match offered a whole nother level for me. Yeah, this was great. I see title match. Gunther defeating Sheamus in 19 minutes, 35 seconds. <sighs> Got a, a 9.21 out of 10. Oh my god. And they, if you want, like. Like, if you think back to, like, Walter, Pete Dunn yeah. at that TakeOver yeah. 30 or whatever it was yeah. at, or, or TakeOver New York, and then you had, like, Walter and Eli Dragunov for yeah. those titles. Literally, like, if you've watched those matches, picture that. Mm-hmm. Throw Sheamus in there. This is what that this, match is, and they're awesome. This was a this was a masterpiece. Yeah. This was great. Yeah. This really was. I loved, and I cannot stress how much I like this. They brought out Sheamus with his guys. Then they brought out Imperium. Not that Imperium was back. Could care less about that. Yeah. They brought them back. 
and then they did the fighting around yeah. Seamus and, <laughs> and they were just staring at each other. But, but, the, but the logic of they're going to take each other out, so that now there's no interference. Yeah. And, and you set that tone of, no, 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 no. There isn't going to be some shenanigans. Uh-huh. This is going to be two dudes, tough SOBs, and we're going to beat the dog shit out of each other. And oh my goodness, did they beat the dog shit out of each other. Seamus's chest was bleeding Five minutes into this match, both of yeah, both wild, yeah, yeah, absolutely wild. Thought the finish was good. I thought Sheamus, man, the everyone was kind of like it was a little bit of like a 50 50. Uh huh. And then, man, they told such a good story. Everyone's like, man, we're really getting behind Sheamus. Really, uh-huh. and Gunther playing that heel so well to get it to the point where Sheamus looks like he's got it, and everyone's like, yep. Cool, Sheamus did it, and then it, they just yank it. Oh, so good, so uh-huh. good. Yep. I think Gunther's gonna be world champion. Oh, definitely. I think Gunther's got world champion written, all, especially with Triple H in charge now. Mm-hmm. I think Gunther's got world champion potential written all over, all over him. Yep. Phenomenal um, match. I knew this match was going to be good. We talked about it uh, last week in the preview. Uh, this match was delivered in spades, mm-hmm. and for the Intercontinental Title, it only helps. Yeah. Um, next up, Fantastic. I it was very unfortunate that this match had to follow no that way. match. No way, it was dead, um, it was dead before he Liv, Liv, down. And it was probably actually the perfect match to put here. Yeah. Liv Morgan, Shayna Baszler. I think it was the the next match that had the least uh, flames to. I guess yeah. is the way, like yeah. or the heat, or whatever. There was like nothing really to this match. Yeah. Uh, Liv Morgan defeated Shayna Baszler clean, yeah. might I add, in eleven minutes. Got six out of ten. You had uh, to give Liv a clean win here. Yeah. You had to. There was no other way around this here. You know what I mean? You, you With the weird finish at SummerSlam with Rousey, right? I'm assuming Charlotte's coming back relatively soon as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had to give her a clean win here. There was really no other option. I thought they did a good job, all things considered. You're coming off a match where people were like, they just went on a ride. That's a tough, tough sell. Getting her the clean win, though, I think is extremely important. I think the finish felt kind of flat, mm-hmm. but I think the crowd was like, we need to kind of sit down and recharge. Mm-hmm. And then kind of get ramped back up again, type yeah. deal. So this was a tough one for them to overcome. I thought they did a pretty good job, though. Yep. I think both women's matches were above average, but nothing like where you went. I gotta go back and rewatch it. Yeah. Uh, next up, we had fun tag match between Edge and Rey Mysterio with Dominic Mysterio yep. defeating the Judgment Day, Damian Priest and Finn Balor with Rhea Ripley. Yep. Uh, the match was fine. It went twelve minutes. The crowd Got six. Was- Crowd was into it. Oh my god! Super hard. Crowd was like, I felt like it was like Edge came back again. Yeah. Everybody, man, my goodness. Yeah, guys, six point seven seven out of ten. Match was fine. I think the biggest story is Dominic turning heel Heel. technically against Ray and Edge. Mm -hmm. I think that was wild. Mm -hmm. That was the biggest pop ever. Yeah. Was he when when he had that clothesline? Everyone in the mob just took Ray's head off. Dude, that was a speaking of clotheslines. That clothesline that Gunther hit on Sheamus to end that match. Yeah, thought he broke his neck. Yeah, legitimately, I was like, he just killed him. Yeah, awesome. Anyway, back to this match. Um, thought this was really good. Um, definitely nostalgia deal, right? With Ray and Edge, right? I love Edge so much. He's Mm -hmm. just he's just so good. Um, and I thought the finish was really good too. Six one nine into the spear kind of out of nowhere right like that i thought that was really good the the turn was i think kind of expected in my mind i don't know how you felt about it Mm -hmm. i was kind of like they're lingering you know what i mean like i kind of felt like it was coming um i'm ready for edge though to go do something more important Mm -hmm. if that's like if you're gonna give me edge and finn at the next show and let them tear the house down for 25 minutes Mm -hmm. cool yeah but after that if edge is time if edge is about to wind it down here in the next year year or two I want Edge his last bit here to be 
super impactful. Uh-huh. That that's kind of where I'm at with this. It's like I like the Judgment Day. I think easily once they finally break the tag titles off, tag champs, U.S. champ, all that good stuff. Sure, I think Rhea Ripley is doing some of her best work character-wise, um, but I'm ready for Edge to be in the main event again. That's kind of where I'm at with. Like, you, if you only have a finite amount of time with him left, mm-hmm. let's get him in the feuds with people like AJ or or like the other guys that I want to see them with. Yeah, I think I think with Triple H in charge, they need to take those those world titles and split yeah. them in the fastest way because there's a lot of raw stuff yeah. with like rounds edge riddle yeah. oh, I know. all those all those yeah. guys you can move gunther to raw and put gunther in there like Ooh. there's a lot of people that you could be on raw with yeah. doing a whole Your bunch of stuff with is actually really crowded right now with potential yeah it's kind of being held and it's held that because waiting wait for, for rains yeah to dethrone rains exactly and so i think i think that needs yeah. to come Unfortunately, it's probably gonna have to wait till Mania, yeah. but it needs to happen like sooner rather than later. Maybe they, yeah, maybe they just give him a new title. They're already thinking about redesigning the titles. What if they make it just an undisputed title, give it to Roman, and then you've got established I would, one? Perfect. Honestly, I would love that. Yeah, what, whatever yeah. it takes to put a, a main title on Raw, yeah. so all these matches can yeah. be for the Raw. Because Rollins is doing some phenomenal work as well, and that's yeah. It's really kind of being like, man, he really should be kind of in the hunt. Yes, he should be. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Rollins, yeah. Seth Rollins defeats Matt Riddle in 17 minutes, 21 seconds. I will say the one thing I loved about going into this feud yeah. was their like online mm-hmm. head-to-head thing, yeah. whatever they did in like different locations. Yeah. And then Rollins, Rollins did like an AEW poke where he was like, "Yeah, so how's your family?" or like, "How's yeah. your wife?" or yeah. he said something about it, and Riddle was like, "What the? What'd you say?" Yeah. And it, like it was the most like unscripted, scripted thing. It, felt like yeah. that they've done in a really long time which i really enjoyed did you watch triple h's interview with ariel Hawani? i watched part of it okay so i watched it and i tweeted about it because i really really enjoyed it. i thought it was a really good interview by him yeah. he's really good um but they were talking about giving the first names back and stuff right and I, triple h made such a great underrated point where they mm. were like he's like it's not really necessarily like a like a, a objective like to like give everybody their first name back he's like but we're taking this feud into a personal part of it, right? It's mm-hmm. different. It's not supposed to be this traditional way we do it. So, like, the fact that it is different, it's more personal, it's really heated. He's got a first name. Let's use his first name. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's going beyond the character of Riddle. It's, no, he's, his name's Matt Riddle. Mm-hmm. So, use it, right? So, just something like that. I think just adds a little bit more to like the the genuineness of the feud where you like you feel like man these guys really do not get along like yeah. you know what I mean you're really getting it Rollins is on another level too there are some guys in WWE right now where you're just like doing some of their best best work yeah and it's really really nice to see them get kind of get showcased here I thought this match was great yeah so love the finish by the way the the stop from the second rope I thought was like a nice like added like die you know what i mean yeah, one yeah, of yeah. those type of deals so i kind of enjoyed that yeah so rounds gets wins 8.45 out of 10 yeah good match um i'm interested to see where they go with it. Yeah. yeah uh main event time we had the world titles on the line roman reigns drew mcintyre this really felt like the biggest main event that they've had in a long time yep. since I a, a felt, long ass time this for me felt bigger than brock roman at SummerSlam. This, oh yeah, this yeah. this felt bigger than yeah almost Roman anybody in his entire run so far. Rock and Roman at Mania was pretty big because it was title for title. So that yeah, was but like they walked out and like I, I felt like the crowd was just like 
So Roman's gonna win here. Yeah, Roman's yeah. gonna win, and no one cared. Like I feel like this. This okay. Well, let's rephrase it. This is like the first time where McIntyre came out to like the huge pop. Roman Reigns came out. They both stared at each other, and for like the moment, you go, I don't know who's gonna win. Right. And that and that's I think that was the one yes. is is yes. like every I, I think I think every match that Roman's had even like Cena yeah. the Triple Threat yeah. every like Lesnar everything that he's done so far you gone there's a, like a sixty percent chance he's probably gonna win. yeah you're like seventy five yeah. so, like we even like the Triple Threat at Mania thirty seven yeah. we we're like you know there's a there's a world where Edge could win yeah. Brian could but it's, it's probably gonna be Roman right you know what I mean this was like the first time where it was legitimately like all right this is fifty fifty mm-hmm. and I think the the crowd was ready. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought, they told a really good story here. Oh, I yeah. loved them not having the Usos in. I know we had the Solo Sokoa thing at the end, but yeah. it was a good way, I thought, to bring him in to the main roster, number one. And number two, though, I thought they just did a great job. I thought they kept Drew super strong here, mm-hmm. too. I thought... Oh, the this story was, with him just, like, overpowering Reigns yeah, was great. This was the best one for me. I thought this was the best match Roman's had. Mm-hmm. Probably since the triple threat at 37. Yeah. Because this match felt like he's vulnerable a little bit, right? There's some things that are out of his control. Even against Brock, because we've seen it so many times now where it's like, okay, it's kind of paint by number. This match felt, and I think these two guys have great chemistry. I thought this match was their best match they've ever had, number one. And I really like their Survivor Series match from a couple years ago. This match felt like, man, Drew is like, you. if you thought Drew McIntyre was not the best babyface they have on the roster, he's their best. Ba- it's him and, like, Cody. Like, those yep. are the guys. This really felt big. It really felt big. It felt like we got another SummerSlam-esque type of show right after. Yep. And this was really, really good. Yep. So this show. Love the Broken Dreams thing at the very beginning, too, kind of showing the transfer. I was like, that was a really nice touch. It was really touch. good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it gave me like uh, at Full Gear 21 yeah. when Hangman came out, yeah. and they did like mm-hmm. he walked out on this horse, and mm-hmm. like they did the whole like yeah. going through his career yeah. up until that point, and then he walked out thing. Like that Broken Dreams part, I was like, oh, this is oh, like really yeah. nice. Yeah. I, you yeah. know, what I mean, I was like, it's I think a good it's, story. It's a good like mini story to lead you into this like crazy match they were gonna yeah. have. I thought the the crowd was super hot for this. I loved I, the, the crowd was an MVP for me. Crowd singing along the Edges theme, yeah. which I thought was super cool. Yeah, so organic. Right? They were ready for Drew, like, mm-hmm. in the biggest of ways. Um, I just thought this whole thing was just uh, – this match was really, really good. I actually really liked the finish. I thought it was a smart way. Drew got him. And it was an it was an in, it was was a weird way with – and I thought this was such a smart, well-done spot. Theory comes down. You get the pop of, like, oh, my gosh, he's going to ruin everything, right? Get the celebrity thing in. Whatever. Don't care about that. But then because you already had the ref bump, and then Drew does hit Roman with the kick, and then oh, there is another ref, right? And to have like it's just like the nice like rounded way to kind of clean that up, where it's like oh he's back in, one two you get to, it's like everything about that mm-hmm. flowed so nice, where it was like he's got him, he's yeah. got him right here, and like that's the first time in a long time I think people can be like I thought Roman was gonna lose there because mm-hmm. I don't think anybody would have left that show. At least in the moment, and been like, mm, I don't really know if they should have done that, right? Yeah. Like everybody was ready. Oh yeah, I was. I was like, if they go here, I mean, I'm not even mad that it's Drew. Yeah. I think we're missing on a maybe a bigger moment yeah. overall. But I'm like, if it's Drew, it's Drew, I guess. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so, I just thought that whole circumstance, and then 
Rev gets pulled out, Roman hits spear, and then Robinson's back in. Like, I just thought that whole last five minutes flowed so nicely, and you establish Sokoa now as another member, and now we're rolling, right? And it, and then, I, you know, I, the only thing I wish they would, I wish Tyson Fury would have hit Drew Yeah. at the end. Yeah. Because I thought that could have been, like, Maybe Drew's not in the world title picture at Mania, which is okay. Mm-hmm. But if we get like a big match between Fury and McIntyre, mm-hmm. I thought that would have been super cool. Instead, they didn't decide to do that, which is fine. But thoughts on this show before we wrap it up? Oh, I thought it was really good. You had a grade for it? Probably a B. Yeah, that's kind of where I was. Probably. I thought I thought the women's matches were okay. Yeah. Though the tag match was kind of nostalgic. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think the two solid starters on the three matches that I thought were going to be good were all good. Really freaking yeah. delicious. And I think I think I think the biggest thing I take out of this show we're is looking forward to all out. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think the biggest thing uh, I took out of this is uh, I don't think Roman has anybody mm-hmm. up until Mania, which is probably going to be Cody. But I don't think I'm like I've been ex- more yeah. excited yeah. for a WrestleMania main event match. Oh my God. Between I Cody, was, if if they do the right like way yeah. to build it, Cody and Reigns, I, I don't think I'd be more excited for anything else. Between Cody, Roman, and Paul Heyman, yeah, I wish Dusty was alive right now. Yeah, because to have then Dusty come out and have Dusty versus Paul, and then Cody versus Reigns, oh and have all God. that stuff going. Oh God, it's just so magical. But I was literally during that match after Roman won, and the crowd was like. It, like you, you felt the air get ripped out of him, which is awesome. It's a great yeah. feeling. Is the pop when Cody, Cody wins beats, when he hits crossroads? Yeah, and pins Roman clean in the middle. Yeah, it's gonna be a It's gonna be Shawn Michaels' boyhood dream uh-huh. times a thousand. Oh yeah, it's gonna be that. It's gonna because be so crazy. It is going to literally be. It's so unfortunate. So ginormous. It's so unfortunate that's not WrestleMania forty. I know. It's so annoying. And they're a year away from being like WrestleMania 40. Get the big like four X's or however they do the promo of it or whatever. And you get Cody. Because like every like Pinnacle Mania, like 2030, they both had like like, like Chris Benoit and then Daniel Bryan and stuff. Like 10. One was big, right? Because the first. 10, the show ends with everyone's, Brett's on everyone's shoulders. Yeah. 20. You have Eddie and Chris in the middle of the ring, two undersized workers yeah. as world champions. Thirty, 30 was Brian's the most comeback. underdog story ever. Could you yeah. imagine if forty was like I Cody know. holding up all these titles and everything? Like it would be just like every pinnacle ten year yeah. is just like awesome. But real quick before we end this, I want to ask this: Do you think they can still do Roman versus Rock without the titles? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Especially with the idea of the bloodline, yeah. I think they could easily do. I think the hard part is, I think. I think I've changed the fantasy booking for Mania. Yeah. I don't think if you're gonna do that, I don't yeah. think Cody should be the Mania one. I yeah. think Cody should probably be at the Rumble, yeah. like win it at the Rumble, yeah. and then I think you do Rock Reigns with the whole Bloodline thing at Mania, yeah. and let Cody do the titles with someone else. Because yeah. I think if you have so the day one show mm-hmm. is in Georgia, which is his hometown. Right. So I think if he's healthy by that, which I assume he's very I close, so. they did the recovery video. During the show, so I'm assuming he's like close he's, by now. So I think so if he comes out during day one and goes right there, I want that at the Rumble. Or even if Reigns goes, then you have to go win the Rumble. He goes, I'll go win the Rumble. And then they do that thing where they have the Rumble before the main event. Yeah. 
and then Cody wins the Rumble, challenges Reigns right after, beats Reigns all in like one night. And then you have Cody Cody in the main event, yeah. and then you do Rock and Reigns main event night two. Yeah. I think that's I think that's a I mean, slightly could, better way. Be I would even loaded, be more loaded. I yeah, you could be more loaded, but I think that's the way I would slightly prefer it to happen than yeah. do Cody and Reigns at night because then it's like, are you gonna do Rock the night after he loses the titles? Like yeah. it's like, how do you? I'd almost like the Rock to come in and almost cost him. Because then you have like that. Maybe, but like I want, I want like a like a real like bloodline rock, yeah. like like Reigns, like I'm not letting you in the bloodline, right? You know what yeah. I mean? You're, like, he's like I'm family. No, you're not family to me. I'm like I'm, I've been doing this, but like you know what I mean? Like you have that whole bloodline thing. But it'd be weird if you do this bloodline thing and then like I think you, could, honestly, you don't. And I know this is unpopular. I think you could very much do. So I'm going back to ten here again because I think it's a, it's because a, of the family aspect. Yeah. Brett loses to Owen opening match of WrestleMania ten. Right? Yeah. Brett then beats Yoko at the very end of the show to win the title. Uh-huh. Now with the two nights, theoretically, and I know it's unpopular and probably not the most money-making decision, you could have Roman beat Rock night one, and then Roman go into night two and lose to Cody. Yeah, you could. Yeah, you, you know could. I, mean? I just said, like, yeah. like, he beats The Rock, right? He beats The Rock, and you yeah. go, oh, well, shit. There's no way Cody's going to freaking yeah. beat him now. Like, he's like, I did, I did everything. Yeah. And then I think that what it allows you to do he gets that match, right? He's like, I just beat him. And then he goes in and he loses it at the end, and then he goes away yeah. for a while, right? And you allow him to rest and recoup and do whatever. Yeah, I, I, I guess that's it's a not, good way to kind of write him off TV. Yeah, that's not like the worst idea. Like, thematically, yeah. I was just like, because like the original. I, I don't disagree with you yeah, at all. The original yeah. idea, like, because like I couldn't, I couldn't imagine you, like, technically not having a main event for night two right. if you did like the rock run-in because yeah. that'd be literally the day before going okay we're just gonna do rock and rain like you know no, what no, i mean no, like no, i was talking about at the rumble if they would do it that way if cody would beat him at the rumble but yeah. what i'm saying is that that way and here's how i picture that with my scenario is that if rock if if you set up rock roman yeah right and then the winner is gonna go face cody who wins right? the rumble exactly yeah. and cody's just out there by himself cutting these promos right and, and you know we're boom and all three of them now are going so now you have the rock Roman, Paul Heyman, and Cody talking the entire time. Yeah. That makes me. I would. I would emotional. actually agree with that. So you know what I mean. But then, but then what happens is, is that okay? Reigns beats Rock. Okay. Yeah. Big moment. Blah 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 blah. But then he's got to come right back the very next night. So it's kind of like one of those scenarios where it's like, it's his biggest mountain. Roman's biggest mountain. Can you beat Brock? You beat Drew in in the UK. You just beat the Rock now. But now you've got one last hurdle uh-huh. right and it's like man he's beating everybody and it's like back-to-back nights back-to-back main events for the world title you he can't overcome it's like it's uh-huh. one of those things like that's what it takes to beat this version of roman reigns is it takes the rock taking him 30 minutes and then cody taking him 30 minutes yeah. to finally finally beat him uh-huh. you know what i mean yeah. and then that's where you're just like scene you know what I mean? Yeah. And then you let Roman go away for six months. And yeah. it, and it's just like, that's that's what it took to uh-huh. beat Roman in one of the most epic runs ever yeah. is The Rock, Uber Babyface, Cody Rhodes, back-to-back nights, WrestleMania 1, 2, to beat Roman. That is like, talk about being protected. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Legitimately talk about but being protected. But getting both of those out at the same time uh, would be perfect. All right. So enough of me drooling all over myself. That's going to be it for this week's show, guys. Next week, we're going to talk Michigan, Michigan State. Um, 
Might be doing some quarterback rankings as well. We're going to be talking some Wrestle Kingdom news as well. Lots of good stuff. And obviously reviewing All Out and NXT World Sky. But that's going to be it for this week's show. On behalf of the Missing Whaleman, he's the Merck's own Mike Merkel. I'm the Mouth of Michigan, Robin Becker. We will see you guys as always next time.